0: Hi, this is Floris from Atomic Drive, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us.
1: Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. to the podcast concerts that made us interviews and stories tales from the bus we love taking you back to when it all went down the greatest live shows and the cheering crowd sound it's concerts concerts that made us concerts that made us.com
2: huh. on this episode i'm joined by flowers from atomic drive A fantastic South African rock band I know you're going to love. This is an incredibly fun episode where we chat about their latest release, Wires, which was released on the 4th of November, the history of the band, music in general, and much much more. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. You're very welcome to concerts that made us.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's it's a it's a great pleasure to to be talking to you to, uh, tonight.
2: It is. It is. I'm looking forward to diving into your music now and hearing all about it. So we opened the show with your latest release, Wires. It was released on the fourth of November. Would you like to tell us a bit about it?
0: Um. Yeah. Wires. It's a it's a song that I actually I think I wrote that song about two years ago already. Um, it was very much inspired, but I guess a lot of music that got released lately was inspired by what was happening, you know, in the world with COVID and all that stuff. Um, and this one was kind of inspired by what I saw was happening around me with people close to me. Um, not so much about myself, but, uh, you know, someone close to me, all the stuff, you know, he kind of went through. Um, so the inspiration came just watching this guy try to be as strong as he can, dealing with everything that was going on um yeah so i wrote the inspiration was quite strong so the song came about fairly quickly um and then we've been jamming it in the band room for a while and then only recently you know we kind of got in the studio and recorded it and yeah it sounded pretty cool i thought it was i was really happy with how it came out so yeah
2: yeah yeah it's uh it's a great track anyway and what was the overall process like you know obviously you'd been playing it for a while then jamming around and you finally got to
0: record um yeah there was a there were a few different versions of the song um i think it all started with the riff you know the 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 riff and the, the we get like the main guitar riff and it's always i always find it easier to write a good riff and then i get stuck you know writing the rest of the song <laughs> so there were like a few different versions of i think the the the, the, the ver, uh the riff and then the verse and then i think i had like three different choruses which I kind of liked. And then I listened back to them like a couple of weeks and I was like, nah, it's not good anymore. Let's try something else. Let's try something else until something stuck. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then, so I kind of demoed out the whole song in my studio, um, just to get an idea. And you know, the demos are always, it always gives you an idea, but then you, you know, you, I, I guess, you know, a hundred percent once you start playing it with the band, because then you start feeling the, the you know, the groove of the guys in the band, and then, yeah, I, I, that's where we realized it's it's pretty cool. So we started getting a couple of songs together, and then when I brought up the idea to start recording again, um, we weren't sure what we wanted to record. Um, we definitely didn't want to start off with the whole album because <laughs> I've had some bad luck with, with recording an album, and then straight after the album's recorded, the band kind of breaks up. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, so we decided, you know what, let's just go into the studio, you know, choose two songs that we like um and then take from there and so I actually do have a studio in Cape Town so I was just kind of getting the guys like their schedules like let's book a, a weekend at my studio and yeah so it was quite cool because um you know instead of having you know doing the drums on their own bass on their own whatever I kind of had us all set up I was the drum and the bass was in the live room I was in the control room all set up I was operating the pro Tools system you know doing all the recording stuff while playing and singing and performing as well which was very cool
2: Man of many skills, huh? Uh,
0: Well, I mean, not many skills, just the one skill. (laughs) (laughs) One skill in different variations, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) And what has the reception been
0: like? I know it's only been a week now, but what has it been like? Um, Well, from from what I can see online and, you know, the the feedback we've got, people seem to really like it. Uh, the, The one review that I read today, which is very funny because, I mean, I, you know, I guess you get stuck into a certain, like, not stuck, but, you know, you, you latch onto a certain genre of music that you like, and then all of a sudden, you still feel like it's very cool, very cool. And then someone writes a review in your song and say it's very old school.
1: Gross. And it's like,
0: <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, cool. So, well, I mean, I'm going to take old school as a huge compliment. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's been very positive. Um, I mean, I hope so. From what I could see, it's it's people seem to like the old school vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: something uh, that's really coming back around again, isn't it? That people are kind of latching on to that old school kind of sound.
0: Yeah, I guess if you just do this, if you do something like that for a long enough time, it'll come back and be, you know, it'll come back full circle and you're going to be cool again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: (laughs) true, true. (laughs) Now, you originally formed the band three years ago and you obviously had a different folk list would you like to tell us the story of that what led you to starting the band and the early days
0: of it yeah so um the guys in the band like i've known we've all known each other a long time before we actually started the band um i moved to to cape town in 2014 and then through i was studying at the time and then i met this guy called jesse jordan who was a Um, he's a, he was a very well-known, I mean, I listened to those guys sing when I was still in high school. So he was, you know, when I first, when I first met him, I was a little bit starstruck because that's the (laughs) dude I've been watching on television, you know, since I was a teenager. So him and I kind of, you know, became friends and then him and I started to do like a little cover, like he's been playing all over Cape Town since he was, I don't know, I want to say 16. Um, but somehow then him and I started playing together. So him and I have been playing together since 2014 or 15. And then through through him, I kind of met Steph and Nick, who's in Atomic Drive as well. You know, we all kind of played different gigs together here and there, here and there. And then eventually I floated the idea past Jesse. Like, you know, maybe, you know, let's, I've got some music lying around, Um And you want to see if you maybe want to sing, you know, try like writing some lyrics over it and see what you can do with it. And then when he came back with, I think the very first thing we wrote together is a song called My Beautiful Life, which is also on, you know, online. Uh, When he came back with that, I was kind of blown away by by what he did um, because he's got a massive vocal range. And I really always like pushed him to like really hit the high notes so when we like we decided you know we both realized we really liked it and then that's when we went to Steph and Nick as well because at this point this was 2019 i've known all of them you know we've all kind of became friends we just never actually had a project where we were all four in a band working on original music um so yeah and then they seemed to like it as well and we started getting you know rehearsals together uh we booked a show <laughs> And I don't know why we decided to do it like this. We booked our very first show. We had to play three hours and I mean nice. as a <laughs> as an original band, all of a sudden, you need to get three hours worth of material going. yeah um, we, we, put, <laughs> we put ourselves under enormous pressure um but some so we we actually did add a couple of covers in there, but we managed to pull it off um and you know the response to our very first show was also pretty good. Well, I thought it was pretty good, although there were some technical difficulties. Coming from my side, um, and then yeah, we we shot a music video in 2019 as well for the song "My Beautiful Life" that we recorded, um, and people seem to to like that as well. Um, and then we got booked. We started playing gigs all over Somerset West, uh, which is here in Cape Town. Uh, we started playing in Cape Town as well. We got booked to to play this um, festival in Mozambique as well. We played this another festival also here, like in the Cape Town roundabouts in Stellenbosch. And then yeah, okay, March 2020. Everything shut down, so we just kind of yeah, we just started getting some momentum, and then obviously the world decided, look, we you know the world needs a break, um, so and then eventually, you know, trying to get uh, yeah, COVID like obviously the lockdown really made you think about what you know priorities in your life and all that kind of stuff. So we all kind of had to focus on you know, you know where our income is going to come from because obviously as musicians, you know, a lot of musicians were hit really hard.
2: Especially yeah. Especially
0: in South yeah. Africa, everything shut down. Um, so we kind of kept quiet, and I just went, you know, continued on writing some music and writing some ideas and stuff. And then eventually, JC, um, our singer, he, he, he unfortunately he left the band because he immigrated to London. Right. Um. Yeah, which is, I mean, I'm very happy for him because he seems to be very happy in London, which is great. Um, and then yeah, we went through the audition process of trying to get a new singer, in which was also not. Uh, there was always. Uh, you know, I don't want to like describe it in a very negative way, but um, we just had the, like getting the right fit was a challenge, more than a challenge than I would have hoped it would be. And then eventually you know, we just came to the conclusion. I went to the guys in the band. I told them, listen, let me try it. Let me try it out. Um, and we, you know, and we had a rehearsal and I, I was singing and I mean, I had to practice a lot on my own because I wrote the, the songs in such a way that I didn't have to sing. Because, so the guitar riffs, you know, I could really focus on the guitarists, so and now all of a sudden I had to learn how to sing while playing these guitar riffs, which was a, which was a challenge on its own. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, we all kind of liked it. And then we started like, no, oh, it's, it's cool. And then I think last, year, no, in the beginning of this year, that's when we decided, okay, let's start rehearsing again. Let's start getting in a jam room. And then, you know, we liked where it was going and then we entered the studio and now we have the new release called Wires.
2: Just jumping back there to uh, January of twenty twenty, when you released My Beautiful Life, that must have felt like some achievement, especially the reaction it got, leading to uh, you being booked for festivals and everything, and it being your first release. What What did that feel like?
0: Yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it was a little bit overwhelming, um, I must say, because you know we also what we did with the music video, like I've been in a couple of music videos before for other artists and stuff but this was like my first music video where i was like it was our music it was our band so again it was yeah it was a little bit overwhelming and then people seemed to like it as well which is you know you you can only ever hope that people will like whatever you put out into the world because i mean you, you put your heart and soul into everything that you do and if you get a response where people like it um that's all you could ever want um, so yeah, I was I was over the moon, you know. I was like telling the guys in the band, guys, we're like two to three gigs away from really explored, And, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun, um, and we played some good shows. There was there was it was a, there was a very good energy in the band when you know when things started picking up, and yeah, I was it was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, yeah, I could imagine, I could imagine, and this is kind of a tough one now, but. If you know the pandemic hadn't happened, where do you think the band would be now?
0: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, hopefully, uh, I got it. it's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, so much has happened since then, like, so much has happened, but it doesn't feel like there's this three year gap between now and then. Um, I guess. You know, if if COVID didn't happen, I would have just liked to be playing regularly, uh, releasing music. Um, you never know, you know. Yeah. Since 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 COVID happened, I just try to think of like the the next step. I, I you know, uh, because that that really showed us like you can't, I guess, plan too far in in advance because you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. So we, you know, for example, we got booked to play these festivals and all that stuff, and we were really looking forward to it. And then literally within a day, everything got canceled. So, you know, it's now at the point where, cool, let's record a song. Do we like the song? Yes, we like the song. Cool. Let's shoot a music video. Do we like the video? Yes, we like the music video. Let's release the stuff, you know, one day, one one little step at a time. Yeah, yeah,
2: I gotcha. you. And with you taking the reins on vocals, how has it changed your approach to, you know, writing music and your overall approach to the band?
0: Um, it's, I mean, it is, it is definitely a little bit more challenging. Um, I always have the thing where you can hear when a guitarist plays bass, uh, when a guitarist writes vocal melodies, you know, you, you, get a basis to, we can hear is a basis and then you get a guitarist who plays bass. And I feel the same way about a vocalist who's a vocalist and then a guitarist who also sings. And I mean, for, for me personally, it's also, I, You know you get set in your ways in terms of how you would approach writing a song how you would like naturally gravitate towards a certain melody and so i guess the challenge comes in to not you know do the thing that you would normally naturally gravitate towards because you know for me personally then i kind of lose interest in that so it's 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 i guess where the challenge also comes in is to to not focus on the guitaring while i'm writing you know lyrics or when i'm writing a vocal melody it, it needs to be separate from one another so i guess it's more work <laughs> <laughs> um it's a lot more to think about and it's not just you know after you demo it and you like what you do then you got to learn how to sing and play it at the same time um and you got to think about more than just your how you sing i mean you got to think about the guitaring. And I, it's not just that, because I do write the odd guitar solo here and there as well. So now there's also a pedal board in front of you that you've got to switch buttons while trying to hit a high note and, <laughs> you know, go from a riff into a guitar solo. Um, so it's just, but but what what I, what I do know is with a lot of practice, you know, it becomes second nature. So I've got a little, here in my studio, I've got my pedal board set up and, you know, luckily I've got tracks here with drums and bass and a click track that I can practice. So I just practice a lot. Um, and then as soon as it starts, and <laughs> also one thing, and don't ask me why, because I write most of this stuff, is trying to remember all the lyrics. <laughs> really? is, I find that, I, I almost find that the most challenging thing of doing all of this, just remembering what I wrote down on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, it got into, it's gotten to the point where I I uh, bounced out backtracks and I listened to it in the car and I just kind of keep like... You know, it's like learning from a book, writing, you know, writing a final exam, just repeating something over and over and over again until somehow it gets stuck in your head. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fun times.
2: Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> you don't make things easy for yourself anyway.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. You know, I guess, you know, if if something is easy, like, I don't know where I've probably read it somewhere online. If it's easy to do, then I guess it's not, you know, worth doing or something like that. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I the like hardest it. things like are
2: the ones that are worth it.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So,
2: at this stage, we'll uh, we'll dive into your own personal history when it comes to music. Now, if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memory?
0: Absolutely. Um, they when I was, uh, I mean, I still listen to this album to this day a lot. There were two. I think I was like six years old or five years old. No, not even six. I was five, and there were two albums that I remember as a kid. I latched onto that I, and the one was this um kids just a normal kids like you know baby music whatever that plays children's music and the other one was keep the faith by bon jovi nice
2: right nice. uh, my
0: my dad bought it for himself and for some reason i really liked what i was hearing as a five year old what was going on in that album There's um this one song specifically uh, that's called blame it on the love of rock and roll that whenever my you know my dad would ask me what do you want to listen to it's either the kids album or blame it on the love for rock and roll by Bon Jovi. So yeah, that's uh, as far as I can remember, that's the first um, that I can remember like musical experience that I, you know, really, really loved. And to this day, that album specifically by Bon Jovi is, it is incredible. And, you know, since I moved into a, a recording studio and I started recording bands and, you know, producing all this stuff, I really focus on, you know, producers and engineers on all these albums, and you get the legends like you know Bob Rock, Chris Lord all these guys. And then, so now I go back to albums I listened to as a kid, and I checked like who produced it, who did what. And then I saw Bob Rock was the producer on that album. I was like, well, no wonder it sounds so good. You know, <laughs> if, yeah. if that's the guy who did Metallica's Black album and all that stuff, and he's the same dude who did this, and then of course I'm going to love it. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. That's it, <laughs> and.
0: You know, growing up,
2: did you grow up in a very musical household? Was there always music being played?
0: Yeah, so my, my musical, I guess, my musical talent comes straight from my mom. She, she's a, she's a brilliant singer. Um, she can like, like proper opera music. She, oh. she's a, she's a good opera singer. Yeah. Um. So that all comes from, from my mom. And so obviously, whenever I hear a song that I like. At the time, my ear hasn't developed to such a point where I can listen to a song and, you know, figure it out, but my mom could. So all these Bon Jovi songs that I wanted to play on the guitar, because when I started playing guitar, I think I was 14 years old when I realized, like, hey, I like playing guitar. But now I just didn't want to play the traditional songs that was in whatever book I was, you know, playing off. I wanted to play Bon Jovi. So I just took all these songs to my mom and she had to like get out a keyboard and work out all the chords and stuff. So, okay, so this is, this is, this. I could just sit in the living room and play Bon Jovi songs. <laughs> yeah, that was about, yeah. As long as it was Bon Jovi in the early days, then I didn't care about the rest. Yeah, yeah, your poor mother having to work out all them songs for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, look, uh, you know, when when she's busy and whatever she was, there were Sometimes she said, no, listen, I'm busy. You're going to have to wait with your Bon Jovi song because (laughs) as soon as I'm done playing the one, I want the next one. And she she didn't always have time to show me every Bon Jovi song.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I have to ask, over the years, have you got the chance to see Bon Jovi in concert?
0: No, unfortunately not. Um, so the thing is, I, I come from a country called Namibia. It's like the na- South Africa's n- neighboring c- country. Um, and unfortunately, there's not a lot of international acts that plays in Namibia. So if we wanted to see international acts in South Africa, we had to drive like th- 3,000 kilometers to come. Oh, my God. Go. So, <laughs> yeah. So because I know Bon Jovi was in South Africa. I can't remember what year they were here. But unfortunately, I missed a lot of the big acts that were here. Um, I know Lincoln Park; I missed that as well. But then, at least there are a couple that I did see, which was, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah. And the music you were exposed to growing up—then, how do you think that has molded you as a musician now?
0: Um, It's it's very interesting because before, like, from from like six years old till about thirteen years old, or or eleven, or whatever. I was still kind of figuring out what i what I liked, so um whatever was played around me, I kind of also liked that, so for some reason, not for some reason because they are brilliant i I really liked abba as a as a as a kid ah. um I listened to a lot of Abba because it, I mean even as a grown up today, if you can listen to the music, you know you can say it's pop music, but if you try to analyze what they do and how they wrote the music, it is yeah it is genius in its own, yeah. And then when when I started playing the guitar, that's when I really started focusing on, um, you know, I bought the, I discovered Guns N' Roses, short story, because this also kind of like, Guns N' Roses was a huge inspiration like to this day. Um, I, I got the, I always knew who they were, but I never really paid attention to, you know, what they did. And then I bought, when they released that uh, Greatest Hits album in 2004, for some reason I decided to buy that. And I started listening to it, and when Paradise City came came on, I think it was like track number two or three on, on the CD, when that song started playing, I mean, I knew the song. I was like, oh! <laughs> it's these guys! Um, and then, so, when I started getting into Guns N' Roses, then soon after, I discovered ACDC's Back in Black, which was also, um, you know, Shoot the Thrill is, yeah, especially that one stands out. And then also, I used to watch a lot of VH1 as a kid, and they always had these Cool, you know, like documentaries behind the music acdc guns N' roses all this stuff and i saw a live performance of them playing um rock and roll and noise pollution and i just you know <laughs> it was i couldn't believe what i was hearing the groove of that song and everything about that song was so cool um so obviously acdc bon jovi and and guns N' roses was very instrumental in my development of how i you know what I listened to and how because this was also the same time I started playing guitar. Um, and then let me try. Oh yeah. And then I got introduced to Mr. Tom Morello. Right, <laughs> right. Um, uh, and this was not actually through Rage Against the Machine. This was through the first Audio Save album. Ah. And and this was with Chris Cornell. So not only did I discover Tom Morello, I heard this random dude who could call Chris Cornell. Um, and that also played a big part. That first album was was massive. And then as I started growing older, I started getting into more of the heavier stuff. Um, I mean, when I say heavy, you know, some kid introduced me to System of a Down's Toxicity, which was like, <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I discovered Slipknot eventually. Um, so I started like really liking the heavier stuff as well. And then as a, as a teenager, like 18 through 22, you know, I tried to sound like Slipknot. Uh, uh, and then I realized you know what it's cool but yeah it's maybe not not so much I don't want to sound like Slipknot anymore so I kind of started developing whatever I've I've, you know I feel like it's my own sound these days yeah Um, yeah I gotcha. but yeah
2: (laughs) I love that kind of musical journey though as you're growing up you know you can almost with a lot of people you could almost start with one band and you could almost you know almost say which one would be next and next and next it's like yeah. a, a stepping stone to you know where you are today
0: yeah i mean and it's 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 amazing because um like if you think about it Guns N' Roses AC/DC and Bon Jovi these were bands is kind of like before my it's an era before me you know it's a generation before me But for some reason, I don't know, people just latch on to that stuff. You know, it it stood the test of time. And, uh, you know, there's so many people that still reference, you know, I mean, Back in Black is still, people still go on about that. And it it was like 42 years now, and it still sounds good. I mean, what those guys were able to do on that album. And same with Guns N' Roses. I listened to the the Your Illusions albums. The other day again and i mean now that i'm a grown-up and you know i'm working in a recording studio i listen to it with a new perspective i listen to the production as well and you know there's i go into all the detail and yes yeah, so the, the quality they got like everything about it is just so so good um the production the recordings the way they play the the tones the way axel sang the songs sang the songs you know everything it just it's just so good so after 20 well, i don't know how many years i've been listening to it i still find new things within those re- recordings that i can like wow this is so good you know which is cool it is it is it's very cool i'm always kind of
2: surprised with guns and roses though with uh you know the antics and everything they used to get up to back then it's actually surprising that they were as good as they were and were able to <laughs> do what they did you know
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know how you do it. I mean, like, you know, these days when I, when I have to go on stage, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing myself to Guns N' Roses in any way. I'm just, uh, you know, I will never be able to do that. I'm just comparing, like, if I had to go on stage, I need to be focused, you know, I need to think about what I do. But those guys, I don't know, if they, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe just, they're just naturally that good that they can do whatever they want and they will still be very, very good. Maybe,
2: maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, because I, I I was watching this interesting thing. It's also another album that I always forget to mention it, but it's it's still also an album of mine that I listen to a lot, which I also think is very good. It's um, when the guys from Guns N' Roses slash Duff and Matson um formed Velvet Revolver, and they they recorded that first album with Fall to Pieces on and Slither and and I mean yeah, there's just the energy about that album that I don't know it's it's out of this world I like that one specifically as well. And I was watching this interview slash that uh, when he mentioned when they were mastering that album, um, they all kind of fell off the wagon a bit because by this time they were all sober. Yeah. And then as they were finishing the album, they realized like they really liked it. and slash said he saw a like a bottle of Jack Daniels in the studio and it's like oh. You know, I can handle this. <laughs> and then they all kind of fell off the wagon a little bit there. <laughs>
2: yeah. Funny story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what is the local music scene like in Cape Town now? Is it very vibrant in your opinion?
0: Um, well, I mean, I must say it's obviously been quiet, um you know, due to lockdown and everything, but from we actually, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's become very, very active again. Um, there's like, yeah, how do I put this? I mean, we're playing our first show next weekend um, for the first one in a couple of years now, you know, the first one since lockdown. So I'll, I'll I'll obviously, you know, get the, the energy of it a little bit better next weekend, but I've been to a couple shows already. And yes, yeah, people seem to be really appreciating the fact that they can go see bands live again. Um, and there's, I, I follow a couple of venues, you know, on on the socials and all that stuff, and I can just see there's, you know, every weekend there's bands lined up to play here and play there, and you know, everything. So you can literally just choose where you want to go, and you can <laughs> watch a good rock band or 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 punk band or whatever, you know, do the thing. Yeah, you know, which is cool. I mean, it's it's good. We we like we were shown what we would lose if that gets taken away. So, I think we just everyone just appreciates it a little bit more now. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Definitely. It's like heaven for music lovers nowadays.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, and I, yeah, it, and I was also surprised because when, when I used to play, when we used to play a lot, we didn't play in Cape Town itself that often. We kind of played the surrounding areas a little bit more. Um, so, I actually went out to watch a, a friend of mine's band that I produced a, a while back. Um, at a couple of venues here in Cape Town, and geez, I, 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 and I will say this, and I'm sorry, like the the quality of these venues is really, really incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's and the bands sound really, really good. Like these Oaks, you know, when you watch these Oaks play, you, you kind of think to yourself, yes, yeah? does do we sound like that? Like mm, maybe I should go chat to the Oaks in the band. I feel like we should be a little bit better. If we were to compete with the guys in front of us, yeah, no, it's yeah, the it's good. It sounds good, and and the, and the bands that I've watched, yeah, they, they they're doing some good, cool things. Yeah. You know?
2: yeah, it
0: almost you know,
2: from I've spoken to a lot of uh, musicians now from South Africa, and sometimes it kind of reminds me of almost you know the uh, the LA scene back in the eighties when there were so many good bands all playing at the same time, you know.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely, um, and there are some, some, uh, yeah, I've, I've watched a couple of shows in the last, like this year, and yes, there's been some bands that, you know, they make you question yourself as a musician, yeah. <laughs> you know, they kind of bring out the insecurities, <laughs> you know, as a musician, like, wow, should I still be doing this if these guys are doing this, you know? <laughs> but yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, it can only make you better as well, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you
0: hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you hope so, yeah.
2: And I always ask now at this stage, as a concert goer, I know you said you haven't been to a whole lot, but what concerts do you think have made you?
0: Um, <laughs> there's, I mean, like, there's a couple of concerts that stood out to me over the years that I've been been at. And uh, it wasn't necessarily the bands that was headlining. It was the bands that were opening. And there's this is one friend of mine. He's a drummer. He play, uh, when, when Metallica came down to South Africa in 2013, I, we went to watch them in Joburg. Um, and there were these two local South African bands who opened for them. Um, it was, uh, if I hope I remember correctly, it was Chromium, Chromium and Pestroy. Now, this friend of mine, Dylan, he, he played in this band called Pestroy. And when they played, they were the band just before Metallica. And when they played, I was standing there and I could not believe what I was seeing. They were so good. I Yeah, it's, you know, and and, and these are the ones that stuck with me. Like Metallica was great. Obviously, it's Metallica. But when those guys played, because I I I've, I've never heard of them. First of all, because I, I didn't live in South Africa at the time, so I didn't know who these guys were. But when they started playing, yeah, it's... And I tell my friend Dylan that every time I see him, it's like, dude, <laughs> that show you played? And I only met him years after. And again, also when I met him for the first time, it was also a little bit starstruck, because hey, that's the drummer for that band that played, you know, with Metallica. Yeah. Um, so that was one that really stuck with me in terms of how... You know, I would like to be perceived from the audience perspective when I'm on stage, you know, that sort of professionalism and how tight that band was, you know, when they played that show. And then the other one that also stuck out for me personally, and this is not not a local band, this is an international band, but that was when, when Foo Fighters came down to South Africa. So we went to watch them here in Cape Town and the Kaiser Chiefs opened for them.
2: Ah, yeah, and
0: I've I've obviously I obviously know who they are because I've listened to the music when I was in high school a lot. Um, but when they started playing, yeah, it's also <laughs> you know I couldn't keep my mouth closed. It's just the the front man. I I, I don't I don't know his name. I can't remember his name. But the front man, he was yeah mesmerizing. <laughs> i yeah, uh, and again, same like Foo Fighters. They were brilliant. It was Foo Fighters. I knew what, what I was gonna get when I watched these guys, but when Kaiser Chiefs played, I just couldn't believe. It. I mean, there was one point where he was like on the sound booth scaffolding at the back. He <laughs> was literally on the roof singing from there. <laughs> and then he kind of jumped off and he ran. And he was like, I I I, I just couldn't believe he didn't get seriously injured on that show. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, those and I mean those two shows really stuck with me. You know, and if I can one day, when I'm a when I'm a grown man, <laughs> you know play a show and at least have some sort of experience from someone in the crowd that i had with these shows then yeah i would be a very happy man yeah
2: yeah definitely there's some they sound like some absolutely excellent gigs now especially kaiser chiefs with uh foo fighters
0: yeah it was yeah um it's yeah yeah i can talk about that concert for 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 hours i mean that was just (laughs) that was yeah oh, that was such a good concert and they, they were obviously promoting the the album they released then um and there was this one song uh I can't remember the name but he went this like ha 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 ha, ha kind of like mocking kind of laugh yeah. as the chorus and he was now as as the entertainer that he was there was a security guy obviously standing i don't know like you know the security standing in front of the stage and he was kind of like ha 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 mocking this you know, but, you know, not being nasty or anything, but yes, it was just the whole performance was, I was so mesmerized with what the guy was doing. And then Foo Fighters started playing, and I was like, how can this get any better? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it sounds like the ultimate. I've seen Foo Fighters myself as well, and, you know, they're right up there. They're the best that you can get.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this. Um, The 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 three, I've seen four big international acts um it was metallica in 2013 um i saw deftones in 2013 oh, as well yeah. but that was at the that was at the end of a festival so <laughs> unfortunately i mean i was there but it was the end of a three-day festival so <laughs> <laughs> i was let's just call it let's just say i was very tired you were there, but you weren't fully there. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I was at the Deftones concert, and I know I heard him scream a bunch of times, but yeah. <laughs> um, and then I saw, um, I actually saw Guns N' Roses when they played in South Africa as well. Oh, really? Um, 2000, when was it, 2018 or 17 they were here, ah. um, which was just a bucket list item for me. It was incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, And then obviously Foo Fighters. And yeah, Foo Fighters were like Dave Grohl, he bring like yes, yeah, so the energy he brings. Yeah, it's they are, they are very good. And then obviously Kaiser Chiefs.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I have to ask. I seen Guns and Roses last year for the or this year, sorry, back into summer, for the first time, and it, like you, it was a bucket list. But yeah, what did you think of their performance at that stage?
0: Um, I thought it was like it was good. It was a very long set. They played. They played. I don't know if it was the same for the concert you went to, but they played like a three-hour set. Yeah, um, yeah, and which is great because they played songs like "Coma" and, um, you know, like songs that weren't hits. Let's just call it like that. Um, you know, and it was great to see these songs. I mean, first of all, it was great to see them live, but it was also great to hear them play these songs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was. I mean. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was, there was this one specific point, especially when Axel Rose started playing November Rain. I mean, he was just sitting behind this piano with a smile on his face and he just started playing Piano Rain. And I mean, yeah, it was, I, I, I really enjoyed it. um uh, Yeah, it's good. Guns N' Roses, yeah. And especially cool with Slash with and Duff back in the band as well. And, exactly you know, does he being there since the 90s? I, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I am... Um... I I
2: absolutely loved it now, but at the time there was a lot of people in the days after it saying they should retire, and Axel doesn't have the voice and everything. But I was kind of—I've said it before—I was of the opinion of, you know, you're getting to see Guns and Roses. This is a band that probably should have died in the late eighties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: yeah. Um, but well, my look—I mean, your voice changes over the years. It's, it's inevitable. Um, I don't know if you saw when Axel was singing for AC DC. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for the people like I was also there were I I saw some videos online on YouTube where I heard them. This was before Slash and Duff came back to the band. Um, when he was doing this residency in uh Las Vegas or wherever, where the vocals were also not great. And then all of a sudden he joins AC DC and then he starts singing these songs. I mean I don't know if you like do yourself a favor and just go listen to some live clips of him singing um shook me all night long and all that stuff. It is incredible. I mean, I could not believe the guy still got that like amount of vocal power and everything. I mean I'm pretty sure no one else will be able to do it except him and Brian Johnson, and I also think, and this is just my opinion look i mean i I don't have a lot of experience with touring and all this stuff and playing. I don't know, 200 shows a year on the road. But I guess if, you, if you're if you playing three-hour sets every second night, you've got to sing in such a way that you can preserve your voice. Um, you know, you can't push it to the limit for three hours, you know, twice a week. Yeah,
2: take, it's tall.
0: Yeah, I, I do think there is... I mean, you must look after your instrument, I guess. But I thought it was great. I mean... We're, like I'm never gonna hear November Rain being played by Axel Rose, probably ever again, live from the dude. So yeah, I was very, very happy. Yeah, I was I was the exact same
2: now. And I have a very good question for you now. What do you think goes into being a great frontman? You know, because you're after stepping into that role now, what do you think goes into you know captivating the audience?
0: Oh um, <laughs> Can I say I'll let you know once I figure that out? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, I don't know. Um it's it's difficult for me to say, like, because yeah, you can say I'm a front man, but but I do believe a frontman um is a frontman. I'm, you know, because I'm I won't say limited, but I've got a guitar in front of me, you know, which kind of limits me to a certain position on stage because I have to the mic is on on a mic stand and stuff. Whereas I do think like a front man needs to be free to, you know, communicate with the crowd in such a way that like it it gets to a, you know, like an emotional level. And I I do think if you have, I don't know, like just, just for example, I think one of the, and I mean, this might be because this is kind of the kind of music I also listened to when I was growing up, Um, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. I mean, what, what I really like about this dude is, like he imperson- not impersonate, but he creates these characters and he, he lives himself into this character on stage and you, you're so captivated by, by the presence of this of what he presents on stage you know, and, and that character evolves with the music, it goes into the music, it goes into the vocal performance and I think that that is, you know you know, you, you'll never get bored watching that. No, no um, you wouldn't. It's the same with uh I mean, for, yeah, for me personally as well. Axl Rose, especially in the you know in the in the eighties and the nineties, I mean, he, he, there's a there's a certain attitude about him that, you know, he 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 seems larger than life. You know, I mean, he's this he's this presence that you just captures you. And I think I don't know that's that's what you want to see. I mean, you want to be captured by this presence on stage that takes you places within the music. And within the performance and within the experience. Um, and th- coming back to Kaiser Chiefs again, this is what that the singer of Kaiser Chiefs did for me on that day. It's just he he was he was this larger than life figure that it was just everywhere within this experience, within this performance that they did. Which, yeah, it is. I I feel like for me, they were some of the best front men I've ever seen. So I don't know. I mean, then you also get a guy like Matt Bellamy muse i mean he plays i don't know i don't even know how many instruments he plays on stage (laughs) but but then he still manages to also capture you with with the incredible like vocal performances that he does and i mean i think the most amazing thing about that guy is the fact that he plays all this stuff on the guitar and still does all these vocal things and like he you know it's that's what makes him for me incredible is the fact that you know, he gives you this performance of all this technical brilliance and he makes it look so easy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just yeah. it's so effortless for him. And then, you know, he jumps around and he runs around and yeah, it's he's also a standout. So I don't know. I when I once I figure out how to be what I just described, then I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> and yeah. um the next one, so out of gigs that you've played. Is there any that you would revisit over and over again? You know, any in your mind that were absolutely spot on, perfect?
0: Um, I I, I don't know if the specific one that I'm going to talk about is we were, in, I don't even know if we were good or not, um, but this was in 2000 and I think it was 2012. I was still living in Namibia at the time. And then um, I don't know if you know the, the British rock band Smokey. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so they toured Namibia, and for some reason, I don't know how this happened, we got asked to open for them. And now, this is not a band, this is just my friend and I on two acoustic guitars. So we got asked to open, you know, for Smokey in this kind of stadium, like the the Vintage the National, whatever, like sports stadium. You know, I was, I was, I was like 20, 22 at the time, 23, so preparation wasn't really a thing for me at the time. <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> <laughs> and we were standing backstage about to go on and, and my friend and i we were kind of discussing about what, what we should play like a set list and we were going through all these songs like eventually we just like you know what let's just let's just go on stage and we'll figure this out <laughs> <laughs> right. and we went on and there was like ten thousand people in front of us and yeah we just like again i, I don't know whether we were any good or not um, but we sure had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and the people the people seem to you know clap hands afterwards. So I'm a I'm guessing they also enjoyed it. But um yeah, that's that that's one that all I will always remember because of like the odd way we ended up on that stage. <laughs> and you know, it's smoky. I've you know, you grow up with smoky songs, like some of my first memories were smoky songs. <laughs> Yeah. You know? So yeah, it yeah, was quite an experience.
2: Oh, it sounds like the uh, the absolute definition of winging it. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, and I mean, you wouldn't catch me dead doing that these days. If if someone were to ask me, even just to play a normal show, I would sit in the studio and I would work out the timing of each song. You know, the the prepare like I would almost over prepare for this. Whereas ten years ago. We were literally standing backstage ten minutes before we go on to open for smokers. Like, you know what? Let's go on stage and we'll figure it out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh uh, my god! Oh, and you know what? It's probably one of them things where that was probably one of the most fun experiences ever. You know?
0: Uh, yeah. And the unfortunate thing is I don't have any pictures of that show. I think there's like um, someone who was in the crowd took pictures of us on the big screen. So, and that's like the only picture I have of that show is this like very blurry kind of picture of myself and this friend of mine on the big screen on the side of the stage. Um, I just wish I had more pictures of that show. You you would think that a show of that caliber, you would have pictures of it, but I yeah. actually don't. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I I can remember that was that was such a fun experience. Um, and then obviously when Smokey came on, we obviously went and watched them and oh, they were just brilliant. I'm a sucker for a good vocal harmony and these guys, you know, when everyone in the band can do vocal harmonies,
2: mm. that's yeah. just
0: perfect. I mean, uh yeah, I could sit and listen to that all day. Not to get too negative now, but we'll flip it
2: around. What would you say is the worst gig experience you've had and how did you
0: deal with it? <laughs> um this is, uh, this is uh I mean, obviously I guess every musician will always Tell you they've had some weird experience on stage, but I think probably the worst one for me personally is one when, when Atomic Drive when we played our first show. That one where we had to do like the three hour, you know, when we had to do this three hour set, and we like we've been together as a band for like two months. So what happened at this one, <laughs> our very first show, we played in the small venue that got booked out for us because you know this is our first show and people kind of knew us from the circuit came to to see what was going on. So I brought my two guitars, but when I wanted to restring these guitars before the show, I couldn't find my bag with my new strings in it. So I was like, okay, I've got two guitars. I'm going to go. And then eventually the first guitar I play and I break a string. It's like, okay, cool. Let's go to the other one. And I play like two or three songs. And then I break a string on that as well. This is a mid-performance. Oh, man. And then (laughs) I realized my bag with the strings are at the sound desk where a friend of mine was he was doing the sound for us but now ironically at the time i went through the crowd to get the sound back he wasn't there and when i grabbed the bag i knocked the pa like the the mixing desk down from the table oh my god (laughs) (laughs) don't ask me how that happened and it was just chaos it was feedback i don't even know what broke from the pa system but it was just chaos like me trying to hold the desk in my hand while I've got this bag and like everything's just falling apart and the band was standing on stage looking at me, not knowing <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> and then eventually when there was like so much feedback over the PS system, I managed to bring the master faders down. But now you must see this whole venue just looking at me, <laughs> mid-performance, standing with a bag and a desk in my hand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then eventually when our friend, the sound guy, when he came back, He had to pretty much re-sound check the whole thing because I think I broke like a crossover between the the top speakers and the subs. So he kind of had to remix us. I don't don't know what he did, but we were basically just standing on stage there for like 10 minutes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) while he figured out what I did to the sound system. (laughs) And then after that, we still had to play for like an hour and a half. So (laughs) yeah, that was, and it was good. That was our very first show. You know, I was, going all about now this new band we are you know you know we just shot this music you know this and we did this and then first gig i break the pa system
2: (laughs) (laughs) you do know you're supposed to do your sound check before you play not in the middle of it yeah
0: (laughs) yeah well i mean you're also not supposed to lose your guitar strings when you 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 know it's uh, i i think it was just meant to happen like yeah yeah i know I, I brought two guitars i brought a whole bag full of strings and i lost the bag of strings and <laughs> then i just like went for it and then i broke everything <laughs> <laughs> if it's going to go wrong everything is going to go wrong huh we we still someone actually still went on onto facebook and gave us a good review so yeah uh-huh. I, I, I i see that as a win <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and it made for a pretty uh great memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a funny funny story about a guitarist trying to be professional.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the next one then. it's in say 30 40 years time, you know, when you're at the end of your career, what needs to happen for you to look back and feel like you achieved everything you wanted to
0: achieve? Oh, um I don't know if that's possible. Um like you know as I guess um as a musician as a guitar player or whatever you, you always feel like you can be better <laughs> you know at everything you do so it's difficult for me to put myself in a scenario where i have to stop it now um because i'm always just going to try something else but i guess if i can like in 30 years or whatever when you know when it's coming to an end if i can just because these songs not just the songs but the recordings as well like these are all very special to me because i record all the songs i mix them i master them um you know, if I can listen back in 30 years from now, I'll listen back and and sit there, it's like, wow, this sounds pretty good. Um, You know, if the mix can still sound good in 30 years' time, like, you know, the same way, Back in Black still sounds good. If I can sit back and listen one day and, you know, listen to this mix as I did 30 years ago, you know, and do the old head nod, it's like, yeah, it holds up. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, then I'll be happy. And, I mean, if if my guitar tone and my vocals, you know, doesn't sound horrible to me in 30 years' time. <laughs> so, you know, I I think I'll be pretty satisfied. Yeah. Um it's it's difficult. I and I guess also I think it's very important that you like what you do, you know, like what you put out there. So, uh, you know, I guess if I listen back to the music, I, I, I still I, I do need to enjoy the music because if I don't enjoy music, then I shouldn't be doing it. Um I think first and foremost, i need to like it. And if I can sit in 30 years' time and not cringe at at a lyric that I wrote or whatever, you know, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I actually do listen to some older stuff I recorded about 10 years ago. And the, the thing that cringes me out the most is the lyrics. Really? Um, yeah. I was 19 at the time. I was just an angry kid. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, and I listened to the lyrics like, oh my Lord, what was I, you know, why? why? <laughs>
2: a lot of people are like that though you know i even notice a lot of musicians won't listen back to themselves at all once they've laid down the track you know
0: yeah i mean i guess for me it's a little um yeah it's difficult Uh, especially because they say one of the toughest things you can ever do is record and mix your own vocals um, and it is very difficult because, you, you, as a singer, I, I mean, and I'm not calling myself a singer. I just happen to be in a position where I have to sing. But it, it kind of, you know, you never, you'll never, I guess, like the way your own voice sounds. Um, I saw, I, I watched an interview that it was with Rob Halford the other day, and he also, I mean, he just got inducted into the metal, the rock hall of hall of fame, and he said, like, he still can't listen to himself oh um, so i guess and you know that's this guy saying it yeah so, so i i guess there's always you'll never like how you sound but you know especially with me mixing this stuff i mean you got to listen beyond that um so i try not to focus I, I try to focus on the balance of everything you know does the balance make sense the energy wise um because if you focus on one thing if i focus on one thing within the mix i'm going to hear hear something that i don't like <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm going to hear a snare drum that I would want to go back and remix. So, so you know, and it's likely with wires now that it's out, I cannot go remix it because I've listened to it a few times. like, hmm, maybe the snare drum needs to come down a little bit in this section, (laughs) (laughs) you know. Um, But it's, yeah, I guess it's always difficult listening back. But at the end of the day, I think if you get used to it um, and the way it sounds... Um, well, this is for me personally. I, I I try. You know, I get to a point where I really enjoy it because if the mix sounds good, you know, you get your solid bass and everything sits well, and there's definition, but it's tight, and you know, it becomes a fun listening experience. Not not so much about music, but also about the mixing and the mastering, and you know, it's a this whole thing that I just really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I
2: get you. And I sometimes ask when you're writing a song. Can you tell it's going to be a hit? But since you have that extra step, you know, you're mixing, mastering as well. You have more contact with the song. Can you tell whether it's going to be a hit or whether it's going to resonate with people?
0: Um. Well, I don't know. No, I I mean, sometimes when I think I've got something good, you know, people won't react to it or something, you know, it's it's difficult to say I can all I can do is just make sure what I put out in the world sounds as good as i can possibly get it whether you know i can think this is you know this is very good or or whatever but um yeah it's difficult to say like i guess everyone's different so everyone will resonate to something differently true Um, true so it's impossible to say i mean you can always just hope for the best like the 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 song we're going to release next um hopefully early next year um, it's, a it's, it's definitely a personal favorite of mine, not just because I I feel like, like, but this is just me personally, I feel like it's a very strong melody line, but also the, I think the lyrics that I wrote, there's also very powerful because the inspiration was, the inspiration was a very surreal mo- moment I had in my life. Um, so I re like, I resonate with that song a lot when I hear it and when I mixed it and when we recorded it and stuff. But that's just my experience with it. It doesn't mean like anyone else is going to feel the same way. So I, I feel like it's impossible to know. Um, I can only try that I like it, and then make it sound as good as I possibly can. And then once it goes out in the world, it's it's kind of out of my out of my hands. You can just hope for the best, you know. And if the if people can relate somehow relate to whatever message you're putting out there, then I guess that's just a bonus. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If if it sounds good to me, then I'm happy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And what do you think sets you guys apart from other rock bands?
0: Uh I don't know. <laughs> um sure. Well, no, we're getting to the tough questions now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's I, I like to think over the years, I, I, I like to think that over the years, I've developed a, 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 a sound to to how I sound. Um, because obviously, I've got a certain way of playing. I've got a certain way of singing. I've got a certain way of, you know, thinking about melodies. Um, it even goes as far as I've got a certain way of ho- how I hold the plectrum in my hand when I'm playing the guitar that gives the guitar a different sound. You know, there's all these differences. So, I guess what sets us. Apart from other bands and what other sets other bands apart from us is the, the individuals that are in the band. Because I do believe that everyone's got their own unique sound and especially if you've got three or four guys in a band and somehow they can make all their unique sounds work together and you've got something very unique. So I guess that's what I would think would make us different is because it's uh you know, it's a it's a natural kind of sound that you've developed over years of your brain developing and your technique developing and you know, you're developing as a human and how you experience life. So yeah, and I can only hope for the uniqueness of what we are is good, (laughs) (laughs) it's not terrible. (laughs) So yeah, Um, yeah, you know, who knows, who knows? (laughs)
2: no good answer good answer it's uh you're right though you know it's that individuality you know because nobody has had the same experiences as you no one has even no one plays music like you or hears music like you so you know you're obviously going to be set apart from other other people yeah
0: i mean and not just that i mean even if two human beings experience the exact same thing they're going to react differently to it yeah um so yeah it's I always like, yeah. That's why I think every every band out there, that's you know putting the effort in, will sound unique and different from each other because that's just the way they process what they want to do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I mean, if 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 I can come up with a good guitar riff and you know the drums makes you want to jump and the guitar riff makes you want to headbang and you know start a (laughs) mosh pit or whatever and you know the the chorus melody line makes you want to sing from the top of your lungs, then yeah, that's that's all you can, again, that's all you can ask for, all you can hope for. And if that makes you unique from other bands, then, yeah, that's, I guess, that's what you want. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. Now we'll go to an easier question, hopefully easier. What <laughs> are your future plans?
0: Um. Well, at the moment... So, obviously, we we focus a lot on on the release of the song. um, And, you know, it's been been quite a nice experience with the song coming out. So, um, now we're in the process of gearing up to start playing live again. Like I said earlier, we're playing our first show in, I think, like two years next weekend. Um, And then it's just getting back into the studio. So, we're going to gear up for another release. As I said, we recorded two songs earlier this year. So, we're going to gear up for the second release, um, hopefully early next year. And then you know get back into the studio because we've got some new songs already written you know and then once we've got enough songs written and recorded and stuff there's no rush but once we've got enough you know we'll put out an album yeah um and then you know throughout this period like there's no time frame in terms of what we're going to do when it's just you know we're going to record and we're going to play live and we're going to release some music yeah so that's that's the plan you know just kind of get the wheel rolling again because yeah, you know it was like a two-year gap there, so you know we just want to get going again. Um, so taking one step at a time, but but yeah, very excited about this song that just came out, and I'm also very excited about the song the next one we're going to release, which I think is like I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. This one is
2: is absolutely brilliant. Anyway, Oh, ah, thanks so much. So I can't wait to hear the next one.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a it's not as as jumpy as this one. Um. It's uh, no, but it's you, you, uh, you're gonna hear it when it comes out, hopefully. So then, then we can just we can talk about that one.
2: <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> right, we'll uh, we'll move on to the last couple of questions. So everybody gets these, I'm afraid. So you can't get off the podcast to the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be?
0: Uh, Rage right Against the Machine. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah, answer. I think that's one I would that must be an experience on its own. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine, definitely, definitely. And if you
2: had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history, who would it be?
0: Um, <laughs> you know, that old saying, never meet your heroes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look, if I were forced to, to, to spend time with with a musician I, it will probably have to be slash nice. um, yeah that I, you know that guy yeah he's just shaped so much of my life with his music i mean yeah and he also seems like a very laid-back down-to-earth human being so you know it would be interesting to to just sit down with him and you know tell tell stories and uh, hopefully give me one of his list balls <laughs> wouldn't be too bad or at least just sell it to me for a good price
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i was going to say though he's one of the you know he's one of them legendary musicians though that doesn't seem to have an ego about himself
0: yeah yeah i mean look I- i've watched Almost everything there is to watch that he's ever brought out, you know, in terms of interviews and documentaries and all these things. I've seen him live twice. And yeah, he just seems like, you know, the most down to earth guy in the world. Mm. You know, he just wants to tour. And yeah, he seems like a very, I don't know, he seems like a very humble, humble human being. Yeah, yeah, he does. He
2: does. And the last one, so what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life
0: <laughs> <laughs> um hmm. uh, yeah that's i don't know that's i uh, you know i always ask these questions to myself what if someone asked me what's your favorite album what's your favorite song what's what's this what's this and then uh, there's just so much music that i listen to it's so difficult to put you know to to point out one specific song um yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, that's a tough one. I'm actually looking at my Spotify, um, <laughs> you know, my my library, and uh, seeing what I've been listening to recently, just to get an idea. But it's like, I mean, we go here from the Dillinger Escape Plan to 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 Alter Bridge to Red Hot Chili Peppers. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> it's I'll get back to you on that one. I mean, yeah.
2: It's one uh, of those questions where, like, next week you'll be like, damn it, I should have said that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> I should
0: have said that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, hmm. oh, yeah, well, actually, no, I actually do have an answer for you, which goes back to the Bon Jovi album that I listened to when I was five years old. Blame it on the love of rock and roll. Good one. Good one. Yeah, that's. I think that's actually a good answer.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that one has to appear on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's. I think Blame It on Love, Rock and Roll was the last song on, on on Keep the Faith. Um. Yeah, and it's it's good, and and I, I like to think it all started with that song. And I mean, I'm still listening to it. So yeah. Well then, it has to be that one. So. Yeah, yeah. I feel good about that answer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here.
1: Bye.